Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 82. Welcome to RestaurantUnstoppable.com. Listen to successful restaurant professionals as they discuss the tools, tactics, and services they use to better lead, manage, and market their restaurants. Join our community and make your restaurant dreams unstoppable. Here's your host, Eric Cacciatore. Yo, what's going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? It's your host, Eric Cacciatore, and this is the podcast for personal growth in the restaurant industry. We do that by listening to the stories and taking the advice from some of the industry's most successful restaurant professionals. Like always, I have a doozy for you today, but before I hit play, I just have to remind you to please head over to Stitcher Radio or iTunes and give me a five-star review if you are enjoying these episodes because it really just goes such a long way with helping me get noticed and getting that exposure I need to take the show to the next level, and I really want to take it to the next level. Um, You can let me know what you think about the show, too. I'm always looking for feedback. Just find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I'm out there. I'm easy to find. Just search Restaurant Unstoppable, and uh, let me know what topics you want me to cover Uh, And I'll do all the research for you and uh, put together a show. um, And let me know who you want to hear from. Who do you think will add value to this podcast? And I will do everything humanly possible to get them on the show as a spotlighted mentor. That's all I had before I hit play. So um, with that, sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy today's show. Here it is. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Phyllis Ann Marshall. Phyllis, are you ready to drop some big ol' bombs of knowledge? I am ready. I cannot wait. I think it's going to be incredible looking at your background. You just have this incredible work history. Um, I just can't wait to see what you're going to share with us today. So a quick introduction, Phyllis. Um, Phyllis has owned and operated restaurants of all sizes, themes, and locations coast to coast. She has worked with industry greats like Julia Childs and is very engaged in culinary education. Today, her focus is on foodpower.com. Foodpower.com's mission is to work side-by-side with restaurateurs to help them grow every aspect of their business, from menu and decor to service and operations. Foodpower is thorough in every evaluation in order to polish the potential. Um, And that's extremely aerial overview. You've accomplished so much in your career. Um, I didn't know where to start, so I'll just pass it over to you, Phyllis, to give us the big picture. Um, So tell us how you got into the industry and... uh, some snapshots on how you got to where you are today. Well, quickly, uh, my father said I was vaccinated with a vinaigrette needle. Uh, (laughs) I loved restaurants and food from the time I was very small. And I was lucky and smart to get to go to Cornell, studied food nutrition, and then figured out that all my courses I really wanted to take were in the hotel school where they focused on restaurants. So I was one of those blessed with a clear path of what I wanted to do early on, which I think is a gift. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was very strategic. I married a hotelie, (laughs) and we started fast. We owned a sports bar with Brooks Robinson, which is very valuable now because sports bars are so hot. We did a banquet house, which taught us huge volume. 
We managed a fast food restaurant with Roy Rogers, and that taught, taught us speed. And we had to watch the cars going by uh, to figure out how many roast beefs to uh, roast. Uh, we did a 24-hour cafe, uh, and all of that was in Baltimore and Pennsylvania. And then we moved to California where we started fine dining and we did an award-winning restaurant. And in 1984, so many chefs and restaurateurs had asked me for help with their food menus and there I was really gifted, I think, in loving internal merchandising and marketing, which is now called building your brand. Mm -hmm. My first assignment was with Lowry's, the prime rib. They sent me to Brazil to create an American churrascaria. I thought, hey, this consulting is the, is the nuts. I can do this easy. And off we went. And uh, I started Food Power. So that's kind of my path. Awesome. Um, you just have your fingers dipped into so many aspects of this industry, from hotels to banquets to quick service restaurants to fine dining restaurants to branding and marketing. I mean, I just can't, like, I, I don't know if you can hear the excitement in my voice, but I really just can't uh, wait to start tapping into that knowledge you have. Um, but before we do, can I try to steal your favorite success quote or mantra? What is it that kind of drives you? What echoes in the back of your head when you wake up every morning? Well, as, an, as a consultant, my mantra is outside eyes, outside eyes. Uh, my quote is professional outside eyes, especially female, are the rest, best restaurant growth strategy. And outside eyes are just a gift when a person or a company has had all this experience they can see so much that an operator inside, and I've been both, misses. And the success is in the details today. It is clearly in the details. And any kind of confusion, here's a quote, confusion is costly. Clarity and consistency are what create cash flow. Mm -hmm. So you can quote me on that anytime you want. It is clear that success is in the details. I love it so much. And um, I literally just got back from my customer service final. Um, <laughs> that's where I was before I got to this desk to have this interview with you. And the theme of my final was you look, but you don't see. And um, that's from John Tapper. Are you familiar with that quote? No, I'm not. I love it. But basically, like he says exactly what you're saying in just different words. Um you can look, but you really have to see. It's one thing to look, but it's another thing to, to see the details and to look in and to go like microscopic and just see like the little things that you can do to make yourself better. And those are the things, like you say, that will make like make you good or great is paying attention to the detail. So yeah, the, the word is kind of memorable. What makes you memorable or Facebooker? <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Cereal. So um, great quote, great mantra. We're getting off on the right step. I love this. So um, let's talk more about you. What is your it factor? So like what, in your opinion, is it about you that makes you so successful or has contributed to your success in this industry? Well, what is my experience, my breadth of experience, which thank you for noticing. Um, the second is I carried the keys, which means as a consultant, I've owned a restaurant. I think that's key. 
Uh, I'm fiercely feminine. Uh, all the men I work with see, say I see the details beyond anything they could ever imagine. And I do think that's a female gift we're born with, and most of us are born with. Um, and it, it, it helps so much to mm -hmm. see the details. So um, your experience, your, uh, the fact that you've got, you know, you've carried the keys uh, and your attention to detail, and I couldn't agree more with you. I have to admit, being a man, I am so, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very big picture and I need somebody on my team who can be like you. I need a lady on my team, Phyllis, that will see the details and uh, you definitely have that. So let's talk about your, um, you know, how you've applied these it factors um, bring us to a story where these it factors were really applied and helped you get to that next level. Bring us down to the moment. Well, you asked about um, one where I use my talents. I, I had a restaurant called Green Street in the very beginning of my consulting practice, which I'll never forget because it was hard. It was a small cafe. It was on Green Street run by two sisters. They had a small, simple breakfast and lunch menu. And all of a sudden, it morphed into a bigger location, dinner-focused, liquor license, and it was no longer on Green Street. Mm -hmm. So we had total overwhelm and confusion. So what the sisters did was they brought in their brother, his wife, and their husbands. And now none of them had any real experience in the biz. The brother understood finances, and he's the one who hired me. And uh, we started, and I worked with the family individually and then in groups to identify their strengths, get them the materials and the education and the information they needed and sort them out so that they had distinct responsibilities. We brought, we found one that adored the kitchen, um, and so we brought in a strong staff to train him on site to be a chef. And then eventually, I'm so pleased to think he went on to school because he loved it. You can't make this business up. You, you have to go to school. You have to, or else, if you don't go to school, you have to study with somebody else. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had to create a whole new brand because they were no longer on Green Street. So we went for the going green or environmentally mm -hmm. friendly and ecologically responsible. I got the girls the, that were so artistic. They painted on the walls and did menus. And it, it really, and then we had to do the menu and we had to move from, we had to bring in, they had a famous Chinese salad. And we, they had soups and sandwiches. We put the salad with the sandwiches and soups to bring in the past. And then at dinner, we added beautiful big steaks and, and broiled steaks of fish steaks and added the salad. So that, and then to build it, we started catering and events. And so the message there is that you, you, you have to, you have to have people responsible for different things. You have to keep it simple at first, clear and consistent first, and then you can expand. Once you have the, the heart of the business or the core of the business clean, organized, all the systems in place, then you can grow. 
And there again, the mantra is it's not a business you can make up. You, mm-hmm. People think because they eat and they love restaurants and they go a lot, they can open one. And it just scares me to death. I tell them, lie down till the spell passes. Mm-hmm. I, I really like how you, you point out how um, some people, I mean, starting off small is a really good way to get into the industry. Some people, they, they get in their first location is huge, and that's just too much to manage if it's your first location. You really need to take those baby steps and evolve and come into your brand uh, over time. And I mean, it's it's good to start small and to grow as the business grows, and uh, you won't get yourself you know in over your head that way. Would you agree? Right. I definitely agree. Definitely agree. It's a business of a tiny lot, lots of details. And I just really would like to point out real quickly, uh, Bill Marvin has said something about your vision and how you just have this incredible vision. And I can see that in your story talking about, um, you know, you you started your your growth phase, uh, things started to get crazy. You were growing fast, got overwhelmed because of the lack of experience. And then with your vision, you're able to see the potential and the people around you. And you started delegating the strengths of those who were a part of your team and giving them the roles that were right for them. And to have that vision, to see the potential in people, um, I think that's an incredible factor and, you know, it factor to have. Do you think you, would you agree that this ability for you just to kind of see into people and see the potential and to see the the future of where the industry is going it has a lot to do with it too yes i agree and i'm very grateful and i think i've been given that gift and so i'm uh passionate to give it away awesome well i'm happy to collect what you're giving on this episode um i can't wait uh there's still so many questions to be answered so the next question i have for you phyllis is um you know, we talked about how your it factors have contributed to your success, but we're not always successful. So tell us about a time you failed, uh, a time you just fell hard on your fanny and what you did to get back up. Well, I would uh, talk about when a failing restaurant is, is a heartbreak for all of us. And sometimes I am hired by a third party, mostly landlords, who now have a restaurant with a signed lease and they're failing and they can't pay the rent. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when I take that job, um, the owners of the restaurant are quite hostile. Um, And so my my job there is to, for food power, to win their trust. Um, And I do it by listening to their dreams and their goals and understanding their vision. I just recently did a bakery where they specialized in wedding cakes and specialty party cakes, very wonderful things on magazines and everything. But the restaurant that they opened or the store that they opened, the bakery, they had a sign in the window that said, by appointment only. And you, and there were all these people walking by, looking in, wondering, and there was no nothing to show how good they were and everything. So I talked to them about... They wanted to grow. They needed to pay their rent. They'd signed the lease. I talked to them about a new way. And this is one of the things I think might be helpful to you and your listeners to know that sometimes when there's resistance to change, um, my friend Bill Mine says, change is good, you go first, um, You photos work wonders. Mm-hmm. And I really believe in photos. So what I did was a PowerPoint showing what they were doing and all that they could do with before and after photos of people wanting to taste their food, complimenting them, the sandwich of compliments, Mm -hmm. you know, where you compliment 
It's like a hamburger with the roll is the compliments, yeah. and the meat inside is when you critique them and show them what they're missing. Yeah. So we did mock-ups of what their front could look like, the windows could look like with their beautiful cakes in the windows. We did mock-ups of their internal changing their furniture and all kinds of things. And I showed it to both the owners and the landlord at the same time. The landlords got excited, approved the changes, and helped them financially by giving them a couple, three months rent if they would implement these ideas. And now they are unstoppable. So they were up 30% the first month. They've added beverages. Now they've added ice cream. And they have people in this lovely center that walk around stopping in for a cupcake or a, a dessert and then finding out how good they are and yeah. ordering their beautiful big cakes and parties. So that was a place where we started out with failure and we turned it around. That was a great story. You really took us through the journey. Um, I want to get personal, though, Phyllis. Tell me about a time you failed and how it made you feel and what you did to get over that failure. Well, failure... Um, you don't like to think about it. I fail sometimes because I put a lot of time and energy into writing a proposal that I think will be very thorough and will be very helpful to the client uh, before they hire me, getting them ready, getting them to understand the scope of the work, all that. And then when the, the, a lot of them say you've got to have six to nine proposals out at all times for one to land mm -hmm. and when when those proposals don't go forward it's a, it's a huge failure for me and my company because we put time in it we put heart in it thought in it we visited them we've gotten to know them an awful lot of consultants do boilerplate and i've never been able to do that but it feels like a huge failure Mm -hmm. What was it that you think? Do you think it was just the uh, too much attention to detail, maybe just too much time and energy? Like, what what do you think it was uh, that caused that failure? I think it usually comes down to money and mm -hmm. commit. Yeah, and, I uh, really do. I think they 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 ask for something, and when you explain, you know, the potential and what it's going to be, they. Um, they, they, they just don't feel they can do it. or I don't know. Um, we just had one that was a failure where a client of ours, we had been working with them over the period, and then all of a sudden, without talking to us or anything, they hired a chef. Chef is wonderful, but he's the wrong chef for mm -hmm. them. And he did a new menu, and it's not what their guests have been used to, and they're... they're uh, Sales have plummeted, and we tried to talk them into the next steps of how to handle that, and and they don't want to do it. They want to, so you know, you you feel you know. I guess this is a failure, yeah. Eric. You know you're right. Mm -hmm. You've been in the business so many years. You know you're right, mm -hmm. and you hate to say see them make a devastating decision that you know could close them. Yeah. So that's, I guess, the failure. Interesting. All right. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So now that we've got to know you, uh, your story, your strengths, your failures, let's start dropping some big old knowledge bombs. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> All right. 
So what advice do you have for funding a restaurant or to collecting, you know, the, you know, it's no secret that it's a huge investment. How can we get that money to get started? I I say the goal, first of all, if you can, is own the land. Mm -hmm. That's the big one. If you can own the land, even if it's a location, that's that's everything. Uh, Because then you have two things always to sell. Mm-hmm. So um, second of all, invest, finding investors with experience. I prefer personal investors. I think it's easier to get personal investors and have a lawyer make out the deal than I do it is to go to a bank or any place else. I think you just get, you don't get, you don't, you're not talking to people who understand the business and therefore they make it extra hard on you. So I like investors with experience. Awesome. So. Have a piece, like, you know, own the, the land, have a, you know, be invested in the land and have, you know, time, put time into finding the right investor for you. Yes. Awesome. Uh, what advice do you have for hiring good people? Well, that's a real tough one. First of all, you have to learn and practice with professionals the interview process because the interview, the initial interview, and you have to know the skills you're looking for so that you get that into the interview. An awful lot of executive search people now are very poor interviewers. Mm-hmm. And you need to, after you've chosen somebody as a potential, I like to let one of my strong team members interview that same person because I think they can often sort out a soulmate that will work with them better than anybody can. So mm-hmm. those are my two recommendations there so um asking good questions you you mentioned how important good questions are uh give us one question that you think should be in every interview and we'll move on uh that's a good one uh i would say uh do you eat something about learning how do they eat out do they like to eat are they foodie Mm-hmm. Are they, you know, are they interested in the restaurant business or just looking for a job? You've got to determine, mm-hmm. uh, are they restaurant people? Are they going to say, oh, I don't eat that, or I don't know anything about that? Are they going to be, uh, you know, they got to love the restaurant business. I don't, uh, if you're, if you're do, hiring first-timers, you got to make sure that they go out to eat with their parents in restaurants, You've got fine dining. A lot of them have never eaten in fine dining. Mm-hmm. The, the the learning curve and the and, and the situation there is just huge. So you got to decide: Are you going to hire and train yourself? And that works for fast food, but I don't think it works for full service. You need somebody who's older, eats out, knows the ropes. Yeah. Awesome. Um, okay, when you find good people, what advice do you have for keeping them on your team? You know, you've got to treat them with respect, pay them fairly, uh, and make the job fun. And um, I think reward them when they do something outstanding. Um, so what advice do you have for teamwork? Um, this is such a team-oriented career, and you need to be able to work with others. So what advice do you have to do that? Well, I, I think the kids, uh, the kids or the young, the people, the team, they like to play together. Mm-hmm. So I, I like to do things with them after work or sports or take them all someplace or, uh, you know, just building that team off so that they just don't come and punch in and punch out, that they begin to become uh, supporters of each other's lives. Awesome. And it's so important. Why is that important, would you say? 
Um, it's just important because there are times when you need them to work for you or extra or um, they need to cover for somebody else. And it just makes, it, it just makes for a, a restaurant family, and those number focus would tell you it decreases turnover, and that's money. Mm-hmm. When your employees are invested in you emotionally and you're invested in them emotionally, they're less likely just to bail out on you or to just move on when things aren't working their way. Uh, it's good to take it to that personal level. Uh, I, I believe so. Some people might argue. What do you, clearly, it sounds like that's what you believe, too. Yes, I do. Awesome. Completely. So I'm a huge, huge ambassador of reading in this industry. I don't think enough people do the due diligence to do the research and to really educate themselves. There's so many incredible resources out there, different books or magazines. So what is one book or different type of resource that you would recommend to our listeners at home? Well, definitely if your listeners are, are wanting to want to be restaurant owners or are restaurant owners, I love restaurantowner.com. Because any anything you need, they if you become a member and it's inexpensive, uh, you you can go on and get their documents, all kinds of things. And then I believe in subscribing to their magazine, Restaurant Startup and Growth. I get that every month, and I've written for it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's it's really a great great restaurant. Awesome. Keeps you very focused on what matters. What's one book in the industry you'd recommend? Uh, I'm a great fan of um, of um, Danny Meyer, and I love his book Setting the Table. That is the all-time most common book uh, suggested on the show, and it is incredible. Anybody in the industry uh, is uh, not doing themselves any favor if they don't read that book. It's incredible. Uh, so, yeah, all the links will be in the show notes. Just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 82, and you can find the links to uh, restaurantowners.com and Danny Meyer saying the table. Um, you can also get that on audio, too. So if you guys don't have the time to read, then listen to it. I'm telling you, it's the way to go. Let's talk a little bit about marketing. Can you think of any tools or marketing advice you have for us, things to to really drive home those marketing efforts? First of all, marketing, a lot of it's internal. I never miss the bathrooms. Photos are everything. Any photos of of food have now gone viral. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I think internally the effort that they put on getting – something so interesting, exciting, different, uh, innovative that somebody wants to take a picture of it and post it um, is is probably the fastest way today other than word of mouth. And word of mouth is now, you know, Twitter and viral and uh, all the other. Uh, I use LinkedIn, Facebook. Well, LinkedIn has no photos really, but I use Facebook and mine is tied to Twitter and I think for and I I do a uh, a newsletter which is sent once a month and uh, it seems to be very successful. So you you say marketing is so internal, people taking pictures. What um, do you provide for incentive for our guests to start taking pictures and to start sharing and doing that marketing for us? Do you have any advice for that? Well, you know, in our consulting, yes, in our consulting and looking at the details, we look at the brand. And, you know, you've got to get the customers to remember the name of the restaurant. It's not easy. You know, there's so many restaurants out where I am. Mm-hmm. We just we have as many opening as closing. It's constant. 
So you got to remember the name of the restaurant, where it is. You got to get that name a lot of different places mm -hmm. um, uh, in the restaurant and in their experience wherever they go in the restaurant. You know, carpets and coasters and menus and everything. The menu, and then so you got to get it. And you want them drive by, and I do a lot of work on the drive by, walk by to get them to come in. And then you've got to get them to sit down and or focus and and have something interesting and exciting. Uh, now it's very bar focused. Are they making their own drinks? Are they marinating their vodka? Mm -hmm. What are they doing? The different different glasses, different garnishes. How do they set up the plates? Now we've got wooden boards, wooden you know all kinds of things. We've got all kinds of interesting garnishes. That's where I started with plate garnishing when. They started going up. They were all flattened out. Then they started going vertical. <laughs> now yeah. there's a little so, bit of everything. But those things are, are are focused and vital. And then the names of things. Which I just did a whole newsletter on the names of things on menus that sell, like, like um, you know, anything that refers to diet, anything that refers to being thin or energy or, or anything, all those words. So, I mean, and it's, it's just each, it's hard to generalize because each restaurant needs to do something interesting in their restaurant that builds on their name and their brand, mm -hmm. not just any old thing or what everybody's doing. And once everybody does it too much, then you've got to find something original and innovative. That's your own. Mm -hmm. um, so. I love that that you say that. Um, it's come up before where we talk about trends. Uh, I used to ask the question, what's one trend that you follow or what's one trend that has your attention? And I got, um, the, the, I think it was my past guest, Pete Susie, uh, who was just like, I hate that word trends. You have to be an innovator. You have to be innovative. And that's what it takes is to do something no one else is willing to do. So you stand out and then capitalize and shine a light on what makes you different, what your innovation is. Be the innovator. Um, so yeah. it's great advice. Um, so let's talk about um, technologies in the restaurant industry today. Um, I mean, there's so many new products and services coming out every day, and it's hard to stay on top of all these different services and how they can help your restaurant. Is there one service that you would put your stamp of approval on um, and give a complete objective review to kind of help our listeners at home um, focus their attention to something that will give them a return on investment? Well, if, if, if it's full service, I, I like open table. Mm -hmm. And I think there are, there are a lot of advantages to open table. One is that there's a, the, there's a whole generation now that, that plans where they're going to go from their cell phone. And so they, they look for a reservation on their cell phone, and open table makes it easy. Mm -hmm. Plus, they also capture their database for you, for the restaurant. Uh, however, it has to be managed because... Um, you know, the, 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 the restaurant has to manage it and take call-ins and, and manage it carefully. But I think it's very powerful, particularly where I am in California, where there's so much traffic, people traveling, people visiting, that uh, open table is very um, important. Um, I believe in two things that I'm going to say and see what you think. One is I believe in the restaurant system of accounting. Mm -hmm. 
uh, and that's very different from retail accounting. I think restaurants are much stronger when they hire accountants and CPAs that understand the restaurant system of accounting. And if you go on restaurantowner.com, uh, you can get a copy of the book that's written for, and it's very clear and it makes it so understandable for the operator, for the chef to see how he's doing, mm -hmm. how his food cost is, how is the labor cost. It's all so simply costed out and too many get caught in retail accounting. The other suggestion I would have is I don't recommend any POS systems because I believe it depends on the local support. Mm -hmm. You can have a great POS system, but if there isn't good, strong local support, then it, it, is, it doesn't have the value that it would have. So I, I think that takes uh, research on the locality. Awesome. All great advice. So if you could just drop one last piece of advice on us, what would it be? Like, what's your one piece of business advice for somebody getting started in the industry? Uh, my one piece of advice? Wow, hang out with the winners. Find restaurants with great work ethics and the people that run them and the people that work there. You'll find a great restaurant. The turnover is low. People love working there. The leaders are good. They work with the community. And those restaurants are easy to identify. Just hang out with them, work there, learn what they do right. Hang out with the winners. Mm -hmm. That's such incredible advice. They say you're most like the five people you spend the most of your time with. So if you if you want to be a great restaurant professional, be around great restaurant professionals, and you will eventually learn from them and grow to their potential or exceed what they've done. And uh, just constantly looking to be around people who are doing great, big things, uh, it will rub off on you. I totally, I totally agree with you, and I couldn't you know, stress the importance of that anymore. I've asked all the questions I have for you. Is there any question that you think I could have asked you that would have added value to this interview? Um, yes. I think since a lot of your uh, listeners are planning someday to have a restaurant or dreaming of it, thinking of it, I think one of the questions is how do you best check to make sure the demographics of a location will work for your concept. And Those are the mistakes I see a lot, where the wrong restaurant is in the wrong place. And how do you best, how do you do that? Answer the question. Well, you, you study the location carefully. You hang out. You drive around. You interview the other businesses around you. Find out what it, what's working, who they are. You watch. You you visit at all times of the day and night. If you're going to do lunch, you need business. You know, you can't do good lunch in just residential. Uh, if you want family, you've got to go, go to the city. You can go to the website and Google their demographics of a community. But it takes research and time, and a lot of big chains have people that do this, but they also make mistakes and they're ready to move, close and move in a heartbeat. We've had Burger King's close, McDonald's close, big companies close, around here and move to another location. But a small independent starting out can't risk that. No. So you've got to make sure that the, that the location is going to be one that you can build 
your concept on. I think it's very important. Very, very important. Awesome advice. So we're going to wrap it up, and we do that by providing you the opportunity to call somebody out. Who's one indie restaurant professional you admire and believe would make a great guest on the show? Well, there's a man I'm working with right now whose name is Phil Crowley, and he, like I, has done all the roles of a restaurant, and he is now a um, uh, CFO and uh, about to move into new areas, and I think he would be very a, a wonderful interview. There's also another man who's Chef Bill Bracken that I work with, and I think it would be great for you to have some big chefs on. All right, Phil Crowley and Bill Bracken, I'm coming after you guys. Look out. Um, you heard it here. And uh, give yourself a plug, Phyllis. How can we connect with you? Uh, talk, tell us a little bit more about what you got going on at Food Power. Well, I love, love independent restaurants or small startup chains, ones that are seeking to grow. And I promise that Food Power can add power to their brand in every silo of their business. That's my promise. Awesome. Well, you have been invaluable, such an incredible mentor. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your advice to help us become unstoppable. And, uh, You're welcome, Eric. You've been fun interviewer. Thank you very much. Uh, I will be sure to keep in touch. There you have it. Another episode successfully in the bag. Thank you so much, Phyllis. You were such an incredible guest. Your wisdom shone through today. It was <clears throat> so incredible. Uh, some of the key things I took away from today's episode, uh, she talks a lot about attention to detail. Uh, Phyllis, you couldn't be more spot on. And um, for all of you guys out there who are like me and could be better at this, just get a girl on your team because apparently it takes fierce feminine power <laughs> to get the job done. Um, another thing that I found really interesting, I think it was the first time mentioned on the show, is um, when you're trying to find the POS system that works for your restaurant, really take into consideration uh, local support. Uh, I think that's really important. Um, I mean, don't go with just the the ratings. You have to think about whether or not the support will be there for you when you need it. So take that into consideration. Don't forget that. I really like how she talked about uh, taking the restaurant, uh, the, the people you work with, out of the restaurant and uh, be a family. And, uh, you know, make it personal. Get to know them on a personal level. Uh, and it will make for better uh, employee retention. Everyone will be happier. That was great advice, too. Um, this, this episode was literally littered with great advice. So thank you so much, Phyllis, for your time. If you folks at home found value in today's episode, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash 82, and you can find all the links to everything we discussed in today's episode. Um, restaurantowners.com is one of them. Check them out. I've heard nothing but great things from that resource. Uh, Danny Myers, the book there. You can get that on audio. The links will be in the show notes as well. And um, if you guys happened to notice some of the static in today's episode, I apologize, but that's because I don't have the best equipment. If uh, you want the quality to be better, I'm on your side. I do too. Support me by sharing this content with people in your circle who you think could benefit from it. So if you did notice that static and it did irritate you, 
that's your call to action to hit the share button and to uh, help promote this show and to spread the good word and to use the links in my show notes uh, if you want to make any purchases or if you want to look further into any of the products and services we talk about on the show. So um, we're almost at 40 minutes. I will cut it there. Thanks for your time. And until next time, peace out.